Hey everyone, before we begin on the stories, I just wanted to give a trigger warning real quick. I wanted to mention that story number three mentions sexual assault, so if that's something you want to avoid hearing, now you know. All that being said, let's begin. And remember, to always, stay on. To preface the story, I'm now a 24-year-old female. I grew up in a relatively large suburb for most of my life, from kindergarten until high school graduation. I lived in a decent neighborhood where no crime occurred, as the city I lived in was also a very safe community. This event occurred in my senior year of high school. My brother was a freshman at the time. Every day I would ride the bus to and from school until I finally got my license. There was this kid on the bus who we'll call Joe, who was really quiet and kept to himself. He lived in the next neighborhood over. I would always try and make conversation with him because I've always been the type to include people who were alone. He never really talked back, but he would make creepy and weird facial expressions, which I took as him replying. He was mute. I never heard him speak. Not once. I eventually gave up, but sadly, he was bullied, and all throughout high school. I being the rebellious teenager, I decided to skip school, and without my mom's permission. My friends texted me to tell me there had been a bomb threat to the school that exact day, and that they evacuated. Thankfully though, the actual planning of the bombing wasn't followed through. Later I saw on the news and social media, that it was the kid Joe from the bus, and he had blueprints, a plan, and had begun making a bomb. He ended up in a juvenile detention center for the rest of his teenage years. He was later on released as an adult. Years passed, and I saw a familiar face on the news. It was Joe again. He had made plans to blow up the local college he was attending. To Joe, I really hope you're getting the help you need and that you find peace in your life. I'm very thankful that you didn't carry out your plan, and I'm very thankful that I didn't lose my little brother that day. This story is about a woman who meant a great deal to me when I was in high school. For background, I was a really troubled child due to a chaotic upbringing. I was always in trouble, getting into fights, running away, stuff like that. I flunked math class two years in a row, making me repeat a year in the dumbed-down version of math class. Well, I was flunking that class as well because of all of my absences. The few times I showed up, my teacher was always drunk, and class was a waste of my time, honestly. Finally, the administration caught on that the teacher was intoxicated, and she was promptly fired, and her classes split up. And that's how I met Miss S., I'm not going to give her full name for privacy reasons, and you'll see why soon. The moment I walked into Miss S's class, I was instantly drawn to her. I can't really tell you why or what it was exactly, but I instantly saw her as a mother figure that I desperately needed, so I became fond of her. I showed up to class every single day and started getting my act together. I would always spend my lunch breaks with her and any downtime in between classes. I was and still am a 5'9 super thin female, and because of that, 
it was really hard to find pants that fit me, and my parents refused to shop anywhere but the thrift store for me. No, not because we were poor or tied on money. My mom, dad, and two sisters got to wear the stuff at the mall, like Air Apostle or Hollister. Kids would try to tease me, but I wasn't having none of that bullshit. I didn't care if you were a guy or a girl. If you tried to kick me when I was down, I came back swinging. And because I was thin, my swings were fast, and they always connected. Thank God for long reach. Miss S knew how hard things at home were for me, and we bonded over that. She adored me, and at one point CYFD got involved with my family, and Miss S talked to my parents about me coming to stay with her for a while. My parents were considering it. I knew a lot about Miss S and her life, and we talked about everything. So when she told me she was going to be out for a few days, I didn't really think anything of it. She told me her and her boyfriend were going to be going on a motorcycle run with his club for a few days. Here's the thing I didn't like about this though. I knew that he wasn't the nicest man. I had seen some marks and bruises on her before. Even though she wouldn't say it, I knew he did it. My dad smacked me around enough for me to know. Miss S wasn't a small woman by any means. She was actually very large, and she wasn't short, so she was a hefty woman. She wasn't no chump either. She was a very standard ground, don't mess with her kind of woman. That's important to know for later. So like I said, she was going to be gone for a few days. She told me that she told the office that she was going to be out for other reasons, so I promised not to say anything. She showed me the lesson plans and all the things the sub needed to know while she was gone. This was a Friday, and she was going to be gone for the weekend, and then return on Wednesday. When I arrived to her class on Monday morning, I noticed that she left her favorite scarf and jacket. It struck me as odd because she had never left those anywhere, and she always had them. No big deal though, I guess. Well, Wednesday rolled around, and no Miss S. I thought that maybe they just took an extra day off. Nothing to be worried about. Then Friday came, and she still wasn't back. I thought for sure Monday. Then Monday came and went, and now I'm concerned. Since that Wednesday, I called her phone multiple times, and it would go straight to voicemail. I was unsettled, but I didn't know what to do. Wednesday finally came, and I was going to Miss S's class to check on the sub. And as I'm walking to her class, I see a man and an older lady along with a security guard. I recognized the older lady. It was Miss S's mother. I started to speed walk towards them, and the security guard noticed me. She then said, Oh, D, you're who I was looking for. Please, can you come with us? I nodded my head yes, and turned to follow them. That's when I got a good look at the man. There was a six-foot stout man dressed in black jeans, a white tucked-in t-shirt, and a biker's vest wearing biker boots with a long gray ponytail and beard, as well as a leather do-rag on his head. He looked angry, and he sounded even angrier, and his demeanor was if he had better places to be. He made me uncomfortable. When we reached the office, I was led into a room where there was a cop and a detective waiting to speak with me, along with my principal and a guidance counselor. They introduced themselves, and they knew that I was close with Miss S., and they were hoping I could give them some information about where her whereabouts might be. I asked them why, 
really confused. An overwhelming feeling of dread then came over me, as they then told me that she was now a missing person. I felt like the whole world then froze, and all of a sudden, I felt like I was in a dream. I felt like I wasn't in my own body, and I was just an observer. I felt pins and needles everywhere. I started hyperventilating. I got sick instantly. After they calmed me down, I explained to them everything I knew. I gave them the truth about where she told me she would be. When I was done telling them what I knew, the cop and the detective looked at each other in a way that suggested I just gave them a really important part of the story that they were missing. They thanked me and sent me on my way. I was so full of anxiety and dread, I ended up ditching the rest of the school day. She was all I could think about for the remainder of the week. The following Monday, I was pulled from class again. I walked into the office to see Miss S's mom and an officer. Miss S's mom was in tears and she embraced me for a hug. I was so confused, but I hugged her back. They then asked me to sit down. I was on autopilot. Then they spoke. Miss S's mom explained to me that they found her in a town that's three hours away from our town, dead. She had hung herself from a tree. Through my cries, I said, no, she didn't. She didn't. He killed her. I know that he did it. The cop asked me who killed her. I told them her boyfriend. I turned around to see him standing on the other side of the window with a cop in the office. I pointed at him and I said he killed her. He's the one who did this. The cop took a step forward to draw the blinds close before I swung open the door and then started yelling at him. You son of a bitch, you killed her. I know you did it. The look on his face told me I was right. After this, everything was a blur. They didn't investigate her death any further, and soon she faded away from everyone's memory, except for mine, that is. The reason why I'm writing this is because of what I just learned. I tried to go back and Google her passing and all that had happened since I never really saw it on the news. I decided to do my own digging, but I couldn't even find anything. I even went back to my school, and I can't even find any records of her working there. I Google her name, and nothing comes up. I'm so damn confused why this would be happening. I'm really unsettled, and I need answers. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. We talk about BetterHelp a lot on this show, and this month we're discussing some of the stigmas around mental health. For example, a lot of people think you should wait until things get really bad to go get therapy, but that's just not true. Therapy is a tool to utilize before things get worse, and it can really help you avoid those lows. I know several people close to me that use BetterHelp, and it's really made a difference for their overall mental health, and I really think it's something worth checking out. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Give it a try and see why over 2 million people have used BetterHelp online therapy. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and the Dinner Table listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com slash Cannibal. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash Cannibal.
Hi, my name is Aaron. I'm 18 at the time of writing this, but when this incident occurred, I was in my freshman year of high school. I had moved from Colorado to North Carolina halfway through the school year. It was around December when I first arrived at the school. My first class was gym, so I changed into a uniform consisting of a t-shirt with the school's name on it and a pair of shorts. I chose to wear the shorts over the sweatpants given it was a really hot day. I walked into the class and sat at the bottom right corner of the bleachers and then went on my phone right before class started. I noticed a group of upperclassmen boys looking at me, which made me excited because they were all very attractive and they seemed harmless. But oh god was I wrong. Once class began, the gym teacher called me up to the front of the gym to introduce myself. I slowly walked up to the front of the class and began introducing myself. As I was finishing up introducing myself, I made eye contact with one of the boys that was looking at me previously. He was really attractive, and he was my type exactly. After I finished, we then began class by taking a walk around the school. I popped in my airpods and began listening to my music on full volume while taking in the beautiful day. Just as I began to start getting comfortable, I felt a warm hand wrap around my waist. It startled me, and I looked up from the rocky pavement I was gazing at and I turned around to see the group of guys from earlier. There was what seemed to be four of them, all seeming to be at least six foot. For comparison, I'm a five foot three freshman guy, 115 pounds, and fairly skinny. These guys, on the other hand, were really built, and they could easily overpower me if they wanted to. I moved the guy's hand off my waist, and he motioned for me to take my AirPods out, which I did, and they all began introducing themselves. Only two names are important to this story, which are Carson and Seth. The other two walked a little behind us, while Carson and Seth then began chatting and seemingly flirting with me. Carson then asked me, So, not to be intrusive, but are you gay by any chance? I blushed a little, and then replied, <laughs> Yeah, I am. Are you two? They both replied yes, and smirked at each other. For some reason, this sent a chill down my spine but I played it off as just me being nervous. After that day, we all started eating lunch together and hanging out at school as much as possible. But after about two weeks, something happened that has stuck with me to this day. I was in study hall when I got a group text from Carson and Seth asking if I wanted to come to the bathroom and vape with them. I had never vaped before, so I was kind of hesitant, but I ended up going anyway because I didn't want to be in my boring class anymore. Now, there's these single-person bathrooms next to every classroom for people who are non-binary or just want privacy, and I met the boys at the one near the study hall room and knocked on the door. They let me in, and as I walked in, I heard Seth lock the door. Now, not too unusual, but it made me feel really uncomfortable for some reason. I sat on the floor next to Carson, and we began talking. After a couple of minutes, I then felt a hand start running itself down my thigh. I noticed it's Carson's, and I softly move it. After a couple of more minutes, he put it back on my thigh, and then started moving it up into the rip in my jeans. I froze. I saw Seth and Carson give each other a look, and then they both started to move closer to me. I tried getting up, but Carson was holding my legs down. I asked them what was going on, and Seth said, we really like you, Aaron. 
I then began struggling and I was about to scream before Seth then put his hand over my mouth and then putting his other one up my shirt. I began crying and shaking, thinking of a way to get the hell out of there. But like an angel sent from heaven, there was a knock at the door. Hey, is everything okay in there? I heard two female voices say. Seth tightened his grip on my mouth, causing me to let out a sharp grunt. Hey, if you don't open the door, we're going to get the school security. One of them said, sounding concerned. Carson then yelled out, Wait one second! Then the boys let go of me. Before opening the door, Seth kissed me on the lips aggressively, while Carson grabbed my ass and then said, Tell anyone about this and we'll kill you. Then called me the F-slur. They then opened the door and pushed past the two girls. I dropped to the floor weak, and the two girls walked in and asked me if I was okay. I told them everything was fine, and they walked me to my next class. After that day, the boys never spoke to me again, but would always stare at me or make kissy faces whenever we crossed paths. It's been about two years since all that happened, and my family moved back to Colorado, and things have been a lot better. But every time I think about that day, I thank God those girls were there, and God only knows what would have happened to me. If you made it this far, thank you for listening to my story. And for anyone out there who's a new student at a new school, or just in a new environment in general, please watch out for the red flags in people. You just never know what someone's capable of. This happened back when I was in the sixth grade. For some context, at my school we have soft and hard lockdowns. A soft lockdown is when the teacher just locks the door and everyone's a little more quiet. And a hard lock is just a normal lockdown. Anyways, this happened in my third period history class. We were talking about some country in Africa or something. When our teacher was in the middle of his sentence, the intercom started. Attention everyone, we're going on a soft lockdown. Someone said, I immediately feared for the worst. I even asked the people around me if their homeroom teacher said we were having a lockdown drill. They all responded with no. I eventually calmed myself down, thinking it was just my anxiety. But all of that changed when the intercom started back up. Listen everyone, plans have changed. We're now going on a hard lockdown. They said. It sounded like he was going to say something else but he hung up abruptly. We all then went and hid right behind the teacher's desk. About five minutes later, I then heard gunshots coming from the other hallway. That's when the situation became real to me. I started to hug my friend, thinking this would be the last time that I ever saw her. Eventually, we heard footsteps coming down our hallway. The only noises you could hear were their footsteps. The gunshots started up yet again in our hallway. I was really terrified that a bullet would come through the wall and hit me or another student, but luckily they had moved on to another hallway. It sounded like they were going to the 4th and 5th grade hall. Now, my little brother was in the 4th grade at the time. I was just praying to God that no one would die here. Sadly though, one person was in the bathroom and they got shot. Eventually the cops came and we finally found out what had happened. It turns out that it was two men who had opened fire in the school. My heart really breaks for the guy who lost his life in the bathroom that day. 
I kind of want to cry just thinking about that terrible day. I'm a freshman in high school now, and no one who went to our school will ever forget that day. I really hope the guy that got shot is resting in peace. I still can't believe it happened. <laughs>